You are listening to Booze, Bullshit, and True Crime. I'm Bree, and I have whiskey in my sinus cavity, burning a hole. And I did it to her. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Wade. That's me. Why? Why? He literally acted like he was going to tackle me as I was taking a shot of whiskey as we were prepping for the episode this evening. And I, like, coughed because I was, like, not coughed, but, like... (sighs) because <sighs> I was, like, anticipating the hit, and whiskey went all the way up through my nose and then dripped out. I, like, can't rinse it out. Like, every time I breathe through my nose, it just smells like Jack Daniels. Are you over it now? No, it fucking hurts, and it smells bad. Okay. I'm sorry. That sucks. You shouldn't have been poking me in the belly. I poked the bear. Get it? Uh-huh. <laughs> You're so mean. I'm not. Stop. You, you just <laughs> fuck with me constantly, and then I fuck back, and you get pissed off. I mean, it hurt. Then don't fuck with me. He's so nice to me, everybody. Oh, she's acting like she's some sweet little innocent girl. I didn't do jack shit. I was playing, and then you caused bodily injury and harm. That was your own damn fault. You poked me when I was taking a shot, and I didn't cry. You didn't cough whiskey into your nose, either. Exactly. It sounds like a personal problem. Oh, my God. We've had a long week. I'm very tired. Well, then let's read about our cases, and then we No, I want to talk like about eight. my long week. But then you're just going to talk about your long week and make it longer. Yeah. Oh, okay. You do you then, boo. (laughs) This guy over here wanted to work Saturdays, so we stayed out here until Saturday at like 2 o'clock and then finally left, and then that put us back home at like 8. She's being dramatic. We left at 1. I'm not being dramatic. We left at 1. We left at 2, got home at 8, and then turned right back around and left at 1 p.m. the following day on Sunday, and then we worked a 10-hour shift today instead of an 11 And now, here we are, four shots later, with a burning sinus cavity, talking into this little USB microphone. It was long. It was fucking long. I'm over it. Okay. It's Monday. (laughs) What we decided to go ahead and do the episode on today was just, like, living with corpses in general. And I fucked up and didn't do that. Misunderstood the assignment Again. You want to... Okay, Susan. Gosh. I mean, Brianna is a white enough name. You could just use my actual name. Susan. Susan sounds better. <laughs> or Karen. <laughs> Your aunt must hate that. I mean, it's a pretty white bitch name. Pretty white bitch name. Pretty white bitch name. Okay. So I don't know what to call this episode. I was thinking like uh, dead house guests or like skeletons in the closet. Living with dead what people. What you thinks? Living with dead people? Yeah. It'll be one of those. Or, yeah. It'll be one of those. Yeah. Mine's kind of weird. I mean, it's kinda weird. I think living with corpses in general is kind of weird. 
Yeah, but there's like a extra layer of sad. Oh, mine too. Okay. And I I did a little bit of background, not too much. Um, our episodes generally run a little long, so I wanted to cut a little bit at least on this one because there wasn't like I I'd have to go way into it if I was going to go into it. So I kind of just did a generalization. But I think anybody that lives with a corpse, generally speaking, there's some kind of really sad going on, and that's a good se- segue. Um, there's multiple reasons why an individual may consent to living with a corpse. Anything from an unwillingness to let go after the death of a loved one, mental illness, sick serial killers, or even tradition. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> Reading ahead in my notes, I see. No, 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 no. When you said tradition, it clicked because I did. When I was doing all my research, I ran into a bunch of shit about some tribe that don't remember the name of and they're indonesian remember that it comes up a lot when you're searching living with a corpse yeah it was actually kind of interesting read so that's why when you're yelling at me to do my notes and i was yelling back i was reading that and i was really interested in it i was like no bitch i'm reading some really important shit right now so pump the brakes i'll get my shit done no bitch i know where you sleep and you sleep really hard (laughs) no bitch (laughs) (laughs) Stop. We are recording. <laughs> Stop acting like a this child. This is serious business. We are s- talking about corpses right now. Exactly. Well, you live with me? Because I know you can't carry my ass anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I can drag you by the foot. <laughs> <laughs> you barely drag your own self up a hill. How the That's fuck? mean. All right. I did touch on the tribe that you were referring to. So Yeah, you did. Yes, I did. <laughs> I'm just going to keep interrupting you. Good. In Indonesia, the Toraha, I think is how you say it, people deal with their dead in a very peculiar way. Peculiar to us, at least. It's totally normal to them. These people are taught from an early age to accept death as part of life, which, honestly, I feel like is pretty fucking healthy. Because it is part of life. It's going to happen to everybody. It happens. That's how we get our food. That's what happens to us. Exactly. You die. When a family member passes away in this um, tribe in accordance with their traditional religion, which is called... Oh, God. I have a pop-up. Hold, please. Okay. Which is called (laughs) Aluk Tudolo, which means way of the ancestors in their language. It sits surprisingly comfortably alongside Christianity. Um, that religion at least, and they are treated as, as if they are sick, they being the corpses. Tomakula is like the the act of how they treat the bodies right after they died. And that sounded like Watakula to me every time I, I read it, just to put that in there. Racist. <laughs> That's not racist. <laughs> Food, water, and even cigarettes are offered to the Tomakula on a daily basis because it is believed the spirit remains near the body and craves care, which I thought was really sweet. But, like, literally there are corpses in the house being offered food and water every day and cigarettes. Like, very sweet, but also really fucked up and fucking wild. The articles I was reading that they like cuddle and like hold them and like all that crazy shit. They too. get them up to meet relatives. Exactly, like they're shaking their own hand. Yeah, yeah weird. 
And there's pictures of like well, weird to me. kids in the younger generation and then like taking selfies with their dead yep. mummified ancestors. I mean, yeah, again, weird to me, but man, so different. Mm-hmm. And they're different from most cultures. Like most cultures, that level of symbiosis with a corpse is not something that's like, I don't know. I don't feel like that's a common occurrence across the world. No. Not a thing. No. To Not most people, it's odd and unusual. Yeah. So, I thought that was pretty cool. I thought I would touch on that tribe because they're kind of, you know, the only ones that do that kind of thing. But as far as mentally ill people who end up living with corpses or have committed murder and lived with the corpse, one example of that is Anita Braxton. I edited it out because the magic of fucking software, but I just sneezed like 17 million times, so sorry, my voice sounds funny. She's still crying about getting pranked when she pranked somebody. She can't dish it out. I will get you back. Get it back. Okay, Don't sure you will. If it weren't for witnesses and neighbors who became suspicious of Anita Braxton, police would have never figured out that she had been living with a dead body for three days. The Phoenix, Arizona woman had a long history with authorities, and she'd been arrested over a dozen times. This run-in with the law would land her in big trouble after Braxton confessed to murdering 20-year-old Crystal Hillman because the young woman didn't believe in Braxton's God. To appease her higher power, Braxton shot Hillman in the head, laid her dead body on the sofa, and covered her in a towel to make her a shrine from God. Her quote-unquote God didn't tell her that bodies begin to rot and let off a putrid odor that can't be masked by a towel and prayer. Which I thought was tongue-in-cheek for the (laughs) article writer, to put it that way. But... Obviously, that girl was struggling. She was detached from reality in some way or another. When someone dies, the family usually um, comes together to help each other while making the arrangements to put their loved one to rest. Tsuri, and this last name, I'm not even going to try. It starts with a K, so I'm going to say Tsuri K, lost her 22-year-old son, Joni, And that left her destroyed, so she decided to preserve his body. At the time of his death, Joni had a two-year-old son, and because she wanted the boy to know his father, she kept Joni's body in the house. The first four years, she used embalming fluid on the corpse before switching things up and using vodka to prevent his skin from turning black. For ten years, she would change Joni's clothes on his birthday, but as she grew older, that task became too difficult. However, she's managed to keep his dead body by her side for over 20 years before she was caught. God damn. So that fucking happened. That's crazy. Yeah, I thought so too. But, on to my case. On to my case. Yeah, it's pretty fucking crazy. The name of my guy is Anatoly Moskvin. Okay, okay. So, Russian? Russian as fuck. Crazy. <laughs> Moskvin. He also, his story is very sad in the end, but he didn't murder anybody. So I was telling Wade earlier today while we were out at work, I was like, I feel like it's a little less sad. 
because he's a very sad man, but he didn't go and murder anyone. So he's very sad and very mentally ill, but I don't think he's a mean dude. Well, tell me about him. I will. Antony and Tolly was born on September 1st, 1990, uh, 1966. Sorry, it's been a long day. In Russia, he is a philologist historian and linguist before his arrest he was well known for his literary contributions to the community in academic circles his main literary focus uh, actually he had more than one focus so focuses were celtic history and folklore linguistics and language and finally his favorites which consisted of cemeteries burial rituals death and the occult so like i feel like we'd be really fun friends we should be pen pals Antoli. I talked to you about cemeteries. Why are you looking at me like that? What? Uh, no, no comment. No comment at all. I like those things. Sure. I mean, you're talking about somebody living with a corpse today, too, so you can't really judge that much. I'm not judging anything. <laughs> um, and the word I used earlier, philologist... I googled it because I had no idea what the fuck that meant. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. But that's somebody who studies, like, literature and, like, words on paper, basically. In an article written by Antoli shortly before his arrest, he had referenced an incident that happened in his childhood as the reasoning for his dark interest in, like, the cemeteries and things of the like. He claims he witnessed a funeral procession for an 11-year-old girl when he was a kid. That strange men had coerced him from the street into a room with the corpse of an 11-year-old girl, and they forced him to kiss the corpse's face. He said, quote, An adult pushed my face down to the waxy forehead of the girl and an embroidered cap, and there was nothing I could do but kiss her as ordered. Thoughts? Uh, no thoughts. No thoughts. No. That's just, that's just too much. That's a fake story, right? It has to be. I feel like that's a fake story. I feel like that's bullshit. I feel like it's like his take on some scary thing to make him look more badass. More badass, yeah. Yeah, I feel like he's full of shit. I don't think that happened. Um, but back to Anatoly's literary career a.k.a. my dream job, which is, like, walking around cemeteries and fucking researching them and writing about them. Hell yeah. He graduated from Moscow State University, and he quickly began getting recognized in literary and academic circles for his literary contributions and papers. He was a lecturer in Celtic studies at... Russian words are really hard sometimes. Nizhny Novgorod Linguistic University. I feel like I did pretty good with that one. And also, he previously worked at the Institute of Foreign Languages. He was obviously intelligent. This guy spoke 13 fucking different languages. I can, like, barely speak English. I don't know about you. Uh, barely speak. <laughs> 13 languages. He wrote several books, occasionally worked as a journalist, and regularly contributed to lurk, to lurk or nurse papers to local newspapers and publications. 
He described himself as a necropolist, which again, me too, dude, me too. He was considered an expert on local cemeteries in the region where he grew up in Russia. Antoli did leave a relatively lonely life throughout his adulthood, even with, you know, a super successful literary career. He never married or so much as dated anyone. He lived with his parents for his entire life. He is also, like, the squarest bear, and he has never drank alcohol or done any sort of drugs or smoked cigarettes. So, we wouldn't be friends with Antoli. Probably. Why do you keep saying we? I wouldn't have been friends with them, period. I meant me and you as in we. What do you mean? Yeah, I wouldn't be friends with him, so you would be friends with him. No, we wouldn't be friends with him. Neither of us would be friends with him. Am I on crack? Am I misunderstanding you right now? I'm so confused. <laughs> so you just say nothing and lean halfway over in the chair. Yes. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm the one not making sense. Okay, I think so. I'm going to listen back on Anyways, this. Anyways, get into the fucking sense. crazy shit. Or what? Talk about crazy shit. I'm trying. Let Do me it. find my place again. God damn it. Um, a lot of articles I was reading said that he was a virgin, which he was arrested into his, like, mid-40s, so that's possible. something. It, I mean, if he didn't date, yeah, it's very possible, but, like, hookers are a thing. Anyways. All right. Now for the gnarly shit. Antoli was arrested on November 2nd, 2011 by police investigating a spat of grave desecrations in cemeteries around the area. They discovered Antoni, Antoli, I keep wanting to call him Antoni, and his elderly parents cohabitating with 26 bodies in their flat and garage. The bodies ranged in age from 3 to 25. One of the corpses had been in the apartment for over nine years. Damn. And so, like, these people that were researching this, they were not at all coming up to this dude's doorstep and, like, expecting to find anything basically what would happen they were researching these desecrations which is basically like either the dug the the dugs the graves being dug at i'm so tired i've got a joke the graves being dug at or the bodies actually being like retrieved and taken and whatever led them to Anton Antoli's flat and his parents' flat did. And then they showed up there and started investigating and just found like 26 preserved bodies in there, which is not what they were prepared for at all whatsoever. Crazy. Yeah, that'd be a bad day. That'd be a long, bad day. That'd be a really bad, smelly, scary really uncomfortable day and there's video footage that you can look at on youtube if you're sick like me and you want to see it's actually really interesting but the russian police released crime scene footage from that day and you can see like the part of the apartment that had all the bodies in it and the, <laughs> the apartment is so, he's a hoarder like it's so cramped and so small and there's so much shit everywhere that it gave me anxiety just looking at it it was really upsetting so he had some mental stuff going on i believe i'm not a psychiatrist but that is my thought okay um so after they found the 26 bodies in the flat they, okay, 
So basically, they realized he had 26 bodies in the apartment where he was staying and his parents lived. But the thought was that he had desecrated up to 150 graves with, like, the location of all of these graves and the timing and, like, all that shit. So that's a lot of fucking graves. That's a lot of motherfucking graves. This guy's treatment of the bodies or his children or dolls, as he called them, was what makes this story really fucking crazy and interesting to me. Um, He would find relatively fresh graves, usually of children, and dig them up, so people who had not been in the ground for too long. My first question was, how would he get them home without someone seeing him? I could find nothing on that. Like, can you imagine driving down the road or, like, being on the subway and there's just some dude holding a dead corpse like over his arm and he's like nothing to see here this is russia normal continue on (laughs) i don't know so he got them he got them there somehow and my second question was if this was happening continually you would think that they would have somebody there Guarding the cemetery overnight? Is that not a thing? I don't know. That's a good idea. Oh, everybody doesn't know this crazy tidbit. Wade used to work div- digging graves at a graveyard. I did. And it was like haunted as fuck, apparently. Yes, it was. Again, like, I, I feel like I want to see that shit, but then I put myself at a graveyard at 3 o'clock in the morning with my tools going missing, and then I feel like I don't. Yeah, I guess I kind of got, like, numb to it, because at a certain point it was just frustrating, and I'd plan for it. It would just piss you off? Yeah, it just made me upset. And I obviously wasn't, you motherfucking ghost, I'm gonna fuck you up. I was just like, really, bro? Like, this is what we're doing today? It's fucking Thursday, tomorrow's payday, this guy ain't gonna fuck with me right now? That's how I normally get. I feel like... Energy in general feeds off other energy, though, and the fact that like that's something frustrating, yeah. it probably like ate that shit up. It did, but Even he was helpful because when he took the tools, he put them away. So it was more or less like he'd take the rake, put it away, and I'd be like, "Fuck it," then I'm not gonna go rake, and I'd leave. Maybe he wasn't trying and to be mean. And he was kind of like, "Ah, oh, why are we saying fuck. he?" Oh yeah, it's true. The <laughs> it, it, <laughs> them, <laughs> them, exactly. <laughs> Anyways, I thought that was a pretty cool tidbit. I thought you guys wouldn't enjoy it. Yeah, it's enjoyable. So, the dude would find some fresh-ass graves, usually of children, which is fucking horrifying, and dig them up. He would then preserve them with a mixture of baking soda and salt, which I thought was very simple and very crazy. He would dress them and, like, saran wrap the face in nylon. Not saran wrap, but, like, wrap it around a bunch of times. In nylon. And if he didn't use the nylon on the face, he would make, like, a papier-mâché, like, mask. But he would build the features into the mask, too. Like, the lips and the nose and the forehead and shit. And, like, the sockets for the eyes. And then he'd go in with paint and, like, paint the features in. And it showed some of the corpses next to, like, an actual picture of these kids' faces. And he, like, it actually looked kind of like them. That's creepy. Yeah. It was very obviously a mask, but, like, he tried to make it look like the human that was underneath it. That's crazy. And I never read this anywhere, but it's my personal theory that he did, 
this is so bad. I feel like the nylon face ones, like, because you can look at pictures of them. I feel like those are the corpses that were, like, relatively new. And then the ones that got the paper mache face were the ones that, like, he didn't want to, like, look at rotten zombie kid face. Yeah. <laughs> but... Yeah, that's somebody's kid. I don't want to, like, say that. But I feel like that, that's why. Because they were less of the ones that had, like, the mask on it. More of the ones just, like, it was, like, pantyhose that he would put over the face with the other ones. So you could, like, see, but it was very skewed. Um, I think that this dude was mentally ill and had no, like, ill intent behind his actions. But you have to say that the extent that he went to was pretty, like, uncomfortable. Yeah. He w- even went as far as with the ones that had the face exposed. He would shove buttons or toy eyes in the eye sockets so they could, quote, watch cartoons with him. What the fuck? It's like a real-life Coraline. Exactly. It's like actually Coraline, which I love that movie, but don't shove buttons in my eyeballs. Okay, thanks. Bye. Ow. Uh, I don't care if you're dead. Like, uh, that like makes my skin crawl. And she holds her eye like... Ow! Get <laughs> I away. Feel the pain. I my feel head it. Hurts. I feel it. So, another fucked up thing. When the investigators moved some of the bodies, music started playing from within them. It was later on after the corpses were autopsied that it was realized that he had embedded music boxes within the chest of many of his dolls. And I keep calling them dolls because that's what he called them. They're human beings. They are corpses. But saying corpses over and over again, I don't know. That's what I'm talking about. But he did that so when he touched them, they would play music. Which... In a really odd, twisted, dark, fucked up way is kind of sweet, I guess, kind of. But, like, literally embedding a music box in a chest, there's nothing sweet about that. Um, He admitted to stuffing corpses with rags before treating them so they would hold their shape. And while doing this process, he also liked to stick other shit in there, other than rags, to say the least. In one corpse, a piece of her own headstone with her name scrawled across it was like embedded within her um in another a dried and preserved heart like a fucking corpse build-a-bear her own dried heart was like shoved back in there with a wish really uncomfortable damn i know it was really bad and another one had her own hospital tag with her cause of death sealed within her own body so this guy's putting like sentimental like mementos in there like again he's not like he's not malicious he's not a bad guy but he's so weird it's so scary that is so bad that's still desecration of a corpse that's still bad it's still bad i'm just saying like he is a very fucked up individual i think that's just very sad okay that's why it's sad i don't think he deserves sympathy from us he really doesn't because that was somebody's daughter and he fucking dug her up and and fucking treated her body so it didn't decay and just chilled with it in her house and that mom went and left flowers at an empty grave for like years so like that's really fucked up. Exactly. But I don't think it was entirely his fault because I think he's very mentally ill. We'll get there. We'll get there. Okay, 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 okay. 
when questioned by investigators as to why there were a few dolls in the garage and not in his par- apartment like the rest of them were, he stated that he loved all of his girls, but there were a few he had grown to dislike. Which, I don't know what the fuck that means, but I don't like it. As far as reasoning goes, he stated he dug the girls up because he was painfully lonely. His biggest dream in life was to have his own family and children. He never found a mate, so he at one point had tried to adopt on his own, but he was denied because the agencies had claimed he did not make enough money to support like the adopted child. On the real, though, it was probably good that those facilities had barred him from adopting children. Like I was talking about in that crime scene footage, like that apartment was in shambles. Yeah. It was bad. It was no place for a child. It was no place for him to be living with his parents even or anybody. Like it was really bad. Super unsanitary. It was a mess. And, you know, he lives with dead people. So there's that. (laughs) That's probably not good for a child. Man, my jokes just are not landing. I am not funny. I'm no, sorry. No, no. They're pretty funny. I'm just not not in it to win it tonight. I'm well, tired. That sucks. Get in it to fucking win it. Ah, pff, my case is next. Do I need to pause this so we can take one more shot? No. Keep are you going. Sure? Yeah. All right. Are you sure? Yeah, just give me a drink of your wine. There you go. I'm not drinking it. I'm talking. You've been sipping on this the entire time. I took one sip. I've been talking the entire time. Then keep talking. He added that he did what he did because he was waiting on signs to be able to bring his girls back to life. Like, mwahaha. Crazy. Yeah. I wanted to be an expert in making mummies, was another explanation, which. Uh, okay. I wanted to communicate with these girls is another excuse that was given. And he was known to have talked with them and, like, communicated with them like they were alive. He told how he carefully selected which girl to take. This is so creepy. This is so creepy. This is so creepy. Okay, here we go. I lay on the grave and tried to get in touch with her. I listened to what she said. Often they asked me to take them out for a walk. Interesting. So he did walk home with them. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. He didn't walk home with them. How crazy is that, though? Crazy. I'm going to take them out for crazy a walk. Russian. They t- <laughs> In Russia, corpse walks you. Really, though. That is what happened. Okay. Walked him. Walked him all the way home. We are so awkward and tired. I'm sorry, guys. Yes. Police say he was not motivated by twisted sexual desires with any of the children that he had taken. He loathed sex and thought it was disgusting, said one officer. He loved his girls so much that he even celebrated the actual birthdays of the girls, because it was probably on their fucking headstone, so he knew, and had parties for them as if they were his own children. His parents claimed to the investigation that they had no idea that they had been living with 26 corpses of children. They said they had noticed the dolls, but though they thought they were just that, dolls they were under the impression that their son had taken up the hobby of doll making and had seen nothing wrong with it okay they were in like their like mid 70s i want to say or early 70s when all this happened do you think it's possible that they just probably didn't know isn't that gonna stink it's a fucking mummy uh i would assume but it's a dead body preserve the bodies i don't know maybe 
If I put a salmon skin in the trash yeah, can but all overnight, the, it stinks. Do all the organs go back if you're an organ donor? Or not an organ donor? Well, obviously the heart did with that one because it was dried and put back in her. And this was a long time ago, so I don't know. Not a long time ago, but... They probably took the organ. Oh, no, 2018. It was a long time ago. I like it. Anyways, continue. I don't know. I can't speculate on that. And it doesn't matter if the organs are in there or not. They're still going to decay, like, to an extent. Ew. Yeah, but then you don't have your major intestines that are supposed to break down all your Uh, nasty, you know what I mean? Poop and... You don't have poop coming out still? Stuff like that, yeah. (laughs) Poop and, you know, yeah. I think that they put something in place so that it doesn't just uh, happen that way. They used to stuff them? They used to stuff them with, like, hay, hay. and newspaper. Hey. Oh, hey, girl. Stuff hey. With hay. Anyways, we continue, please. are trash. Oh, my God. Oh. Okay. What? Let me tell you about some gnarly corpses. So, saw nothing with the doll making. Antoli was charged with a slew of over a dozen crimes, all which pertain to desecrating a grave, because I don't think being a weirdo and living with a child corpse is a charge you can get. Fun fact, the Russian media gave him the nickname the Lord of the Mummies while reporting about him, which I thought was like metal as fuck. The guy actually said to the families of the victims in court, and I quote, you abandon your girls in the cold. I brought them home and warmed them up. And, like, I was feeling really bad for this guy until I read that, and I was like, you fucking asshole. Yeah, that was rude. You fucking asshole. At the end of the trial, Moskvin was diagnosed with schizophrenia and sentenced to time in a psychiatric facility following his sentencing. In September 2018, he was faced with an opportunity to continue psychiatric treatment from his home, a decision which is being challenged by a judge and the victim's family. So they're basically like, we can mm-hmm. release you from the hospital, blah, blah, blah. Local prosecutors agree uh, with the victim's family who state that this man should not be released, even though psychiatrists say Antoli, now in his 50s, is improving. Antoli allegedly told authorities to not rebury the girls too deeply as he will simply unbury them when he is released. I looked for an update about the whole you know case of him being released and the court refused to let Antoli walk free in a court hearing in February 2019 this year one sad last little nugget Antoli's parents were completely shunned from the community and live in total isolation in their town in Russia they're in their mid-80s by now um they had all of the victims families come and speak at that hearing when they were trying to figure out if they were going to release him or not and I read some of the statements that went on in that trial, and, uh, and it was, like, fucking heartbreaking. I know this dude didn't, like, kill anybody, but it was obviously very upsetting for that family to lose a child and then realize that this fucking weirdo dug them up and was, like, playing dollhouse with them. It, I agree. He should probably be uh, locked up in some kind of facility. And that is Anatoly Moskvin. Woohoo! Woohoo! Good hey. job, Bray. Oh my goodness gracious! That was amazing. So my case is a little bit crazy. A little bit. A little bit sad. A little bit. Yeah. Not a well, lot, baby girl. Just a little bit. Mhm. Are you my baby girl? Oh yeah. <laughs> so mine's about Margaret. How do you say this last name? Bernstorff. Right. Yeah. Bernstorff. Yeah. Okay. Storf, because the R's there. Okay, yeah. Storf. 
Uh, so if you think living with a dead body for three days or four months seems unfathomable, try 30 years. That's less unfathomable. Oh. It'll stop stinking at a certain point. That's true. <laughs> that is very true. So, it's like uh, beef jerky. In November of 2008, a woman in Evanston, Illinois, was discovered to be living with her three siblings, all deceased. All of them? Yes. What? Yeah. So, Margaret was well-liked and well-known in her neighborhood since 1920. This chick was 90 years old when she got in trouble. So, this was recent, like 10 years ago. Yep. Holy shit. And, uh... She often interacted with neighbors. Oh, why, thanks! <laughs> yeah, she often interacted with neighbors. And she, like, you know, she was an old lady. She gardened. She would share her veggies from her garden with neighbors and attend, like, block parties. She was, you know, she was always doing something. She was... Out and about. Out and about in the community. And, uh... Some people thought it was kind of odd because nobody was, like, invited in or ever in her house. Okay. I mean, my neighbors aren't usually. True. And that's what a lot of them said, that they mostly just assumed that she was extremely private or simply just embarrassed of, like, her messy, hoarder-like living conditions, maybe. Fucking fair. Yeah. She was fucking 90. And she lived in, like, an old Victorian-looking style home. It was green with white fucking trim shit like that how do you know the color because i remember seeing a picture of it oh my god yeah and i have a photographic memory anyways what do you fucking do photographic Whoa, memory she's getting upset <laughs> no it really comes in handy because i'd be like babe where's my blah, blah, blah. he's like it's my blah, blah. And i'm like thanks yeah so when people actually asked her about her siblings margaret told them her sister Antoinette was upstairs, not feeling well, and her brother Frank had moved to Indiana. She never actually mentioned her other sister, Elaine, and no one really pressed the matter. So uh, one of her neighbors spoke to the Chicago Tribune, which was Gina Panofsky. Panofsky? Panofsky? She said that they were, you know, private people, and we wanted to respect their privacy. We didn't belong, or they didn't belong to society. They did, or they belonged to each other, and that was it. That Damn. was kind of rude, but I guess you know, in a sense, like you know, they're a close family. They're young, or you know, they're all living in one house together type deal. They're so just telling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, however, the reason behind Margaret's private ways was revealed. When an Evanston community health employee contacted police after being allowed into the home. Once police uh, actually entered the house, the bodies of Elaine, Frank, and Antoinette were found scattered around the house. Babe, her name's Anita. Oh, it is. I'm Aww, reading from. Sorry, Anita. My bad. Sorry, Anita. They were found around the house. Uh, all of them had blankets over them. And two of three siblings were found in a skeleton state. Skeletal state. Skeletal state. Right? Ooh, that takes a long time. Yeah. Anita's body was badly decomposed because she passed away six months ago. Ew! Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Like, there had to be parts of them in the 
shit that they were sitting at. Like, it doesn't... He's like, I'm going to get there. It's soup. Yeah, <laughs> it's soup. Ew. And I wasn't really going to talk about that because it was kind of... Talk about it. Everything I read was, like, extremely... I don't know, just something I didn't want to talk about because I didn't really want to talk about them in that state type deal. Because I felt like it, she was... She was just an old lady. Those are all her, you know, those are family. And we don't know. Maybe they had, a, like, a little sibling pack that they made. Because, like, it, once I... Here, watch. I'll read this part right now. So, Elaine died in, the, uh, in her 60s in late 1970s. Frank died at 83 in 2003. And Anita died 98 in 2008. Meaning that... Anita and Margaret had lived together since 2003 with Frank, but all three of them, Frank, Anita, and Margaret, had lived together with Elaine dead since the 70s. Oh. So there's like, there had to been like a pack going on or something. Like, I don't want to be or buried. Or they were all senile. Uh, but I don't. Or they were collecting social security. Nope. And that's one of the biggest things that I said. If you didn't interrupt me, you would have read that, or I would have read that part. Because according to authorities, siblings, or the siblings died of natural causes, and there is no foul play, nor any suspicion of social security fraud. So, yeah, why would all of them just be cool with that? Mm -hmm. And they have been living in this house since the 1920s. You don't have to be buried, though. You can get lit on fire and cremated. Like, what the fuck? They must all be senile Maybe they all just wanted to be dead in the same house together. Why, though? And they just wanted that house to be their house. That makes no fucking sense. It doesn't. I don't know. So, after uh, authorities found... uh, her Margaret siblings in the house, they removed Margaret and uh, placed her under care in a nursing home. She never revealed any information regarding her actions and why she didn't report the deaths of Wait, her siblings. Wait, she just would not answer? She, she just, just No, she just wouldn't, you know, she just did the whole grandma thing like, oh my god, this mother's great, right? Shit like that. Yeah, she never really That's actually, creepy. She just never, she gave little to none information. And- Sorry, devil's advocate. But with the state of decay besides the last sister that died, which was Anita, I think. Mm. Yeah. The other ones were too old for them to even really see. Like, if she suffocated them, they couldn't have seen that from just the skeletal remains. Like, if she put a fucking pillow over their face, that you can't tell that. And maybe the other ones were true, but there's no blunt force trauma. There's no... There doesn't have to be. I understand. Okay, I under- I get what you're saying now. Devil's advocate, like I said, little old lady, probably not, but you never. Yeah. But no. also, their the first sibling died in the seventies, so if she's ninety something in two or two thousand and eight, you hear what I'm saying? Our last episode was geriatric crime. You get what I'm saying? Okay <laughs> then. So many suspected that um, Margaret like other senior citizens, feared losing her independence of, you know, having her life she had known for so long taken away type deal. How does that relate to anything? Well, that's why they were saying that they suspected her to just leave the bodies there because they didn't want... But she was like 60 when the first one died. Yeah, I guess when Frank died, she kind of freaked out because she was older. I don't know. Okay. 
Because it sounds like Margaret was the youngest. Because she died at 96. Frank was 83 in 2003. And the, Anita was 98 in 2008. Obviously Damn, older. Gina. Yeah, so, and then Elaine was in her 60s in the 70s. So, Elaine. Elaine, sorry. Elaine. Elaine. My bad. I can't say that name. My friend's middle name is Sophia Elaine. Elaine. I, I, have a, I think I have an aunt, Elaine. And <laughs> you don't even know how to say the name. Good job. No, sorry. I apologize. So, new, the news shocked the community. It was an overwhelming reaction of sorrow and concern. Then there's a like very small number wondering if Margaret was only carrying out that sibling tradition or sticking together pack thing that I was talking about. Because yeah. there's you know quite a gap between the deaths of the siblings yeah. and stuff. So in theory, Margaret would have been you know one of three siblings to be living Aww. with a dead person, and then eventually two. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's really sad. Yeah. Yep. And uh, uh, Margaret actually passed away in February on February seventh, two thousand and eleven, at ninety six. Oh. Yeah, and she was still in the the nursing home, under care at the nursing home. Well, these cases were really fucking sad and depressing. My guy just wanted children and a family and was like, I'm going to dig up these bodies and like wrap them and shit and hug them. And then your lady was sad that her siblings passed away. Exactly. I'm depressed. That yeah. sucked. I told you, it kind of added like an extra layer of sadness. I thought this was going to be less sad. Strangeness to the case. This was so much more sad. Yeah, it's about dead people. Of course it's going to be sad. Well, I mean, all of our episodes are about dead people. Yeah, and they're all sad on their own different way. I don't feel like they're all this sad, but this is very sad. True. All right, that's it. That's all, folks. Real quick, we do still have our Gmail, although none of you love us and none of you are sending us stories. Not a single fuck given by you guys. Come on, guys. Even if you send me a picture of your doggie and make me smile... Fucking do it. I want to smile. Make my day. Booze, BS, and true crime at gmail.com. Booze, BS, and true crime at gmail.com. And is spelled out. Andy. We are also on Facebook and Instagram at booze, comma, bullshit, and true crime. Bullshit has a little asterisk where the I is. Please follow us on there. Interact, communicate, like, leave a review. Our biggest thing is going to be the fact that we're on Spotify, um, iTunes, and Google Play Store. If you can subscribe to us on there, that helps us tremendously. Stream, follow, and rate or comment. That helps us out a lot, too. Tell us what we can do better. We love you guys. And um, I'm going to fucking finish this wine and lay in bed. Okay, bye. Bye.